Hello and welcome to the Flex. It's Matt St. Jean and Joe Howie here. Friars at 10 and 1 after knocking off Central Connecticut. Things got a little bit hairier in the second half than we expected to, but a win is a win. And the Friars know what they're doing this Saturday, Joe? Start the place play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm happy with the 10 and 1. I'm happy with the 15 point victory over Central Connecticut. Um, there are some some gross things from the second half. Um, we'll break that down in a little bit, but at the end of the day, is a win is a win is a win is a win. Ten and one ties the best that this team has been at this point under Ed Cooley. So I think this was a fantastic non-conference play for the Friars. Um, you know, you had a couple of difficult games on the schedule, a couple of cupcakes, but at the end of the day, you did what you were supposed to do, and you won as many games as you physically possibly could, which was ten. 10 out of 11 played, so a fantastic non-conference, definitely gearing up for a conference play to start against um, a, a renewed rivalry with UConn, so let's let's oh get boy. into it. Yeah, I'm ready for this one. The Friars, this game is going to be at the Excel Center. Friars playing in Hartford. Last year's game at UConn was in stores. They lost that one, but Providence did win the game at home at Alumni Hall. Both of these teams can be playing in front of fans for a Big East game for the first time in a while. I'm excited for this one. But yeah, this is Connecticut week right here. Let's go back to the first Connecticut team, Central Connecticut, from Saturday. This was a a dominant start for the Friars, and it a kind of it's what you wanted to see from this team. I mean, a hallmark of previous Providence teams, especially you go back to last year and or the year before in non-conference, you play bad teams or things you play without much of a crowd and the team can't get up, can't get started. And you end up with a close game all game long. That was absolutely not the case here. And a lot of that was because of Justin Manaya, who put together, I think, what his best game as a Friar so far. Yeah, season high, 14 points. Perfect from the field, too. Yeah, perfect from the field, perfect from beyond the arc. I, I think if you're, we're going to give out some accolades here, A.J. Reeves gets the MVP of the game, and you're going to throw a game ball at Justin Manaya and Noah Horkler, who notched his fourth double-double of the season, 12 points, 10 boards. Um, Reeves, man, confidence is one hell of a drug, and Reeves <laughs> must be shooting up before every game because he's been playing great lately and, and yeah. this is what you want from him like I, I think the the 20 plus point performances where he's draining a ton of threes are pretty to watch and you know it's exciting but a game like this he flirted with a triple double 17 points nine boards and seven dimes like that's pretty freaking good for a wing you know what i'm saying like this, this game was one on the wing between the three of them but aj reeves definitely stands out as the best player of that game yeah, he had a fantastic all-around game. I know we've talked about it before, but the maturation that we've seen from him this year has been impressive. And then you add on top of it, he was on his game from the perimeter, 3-9 and nine from deep, just shooting the lights out. And he was a significant part of that 16-2 to two run that Providence started on. He had a three. He had three assists during that span. He had two rebounds, and he had a block all during that run. That's during the first six minutes of the game. So he's getting it done at both ends of the floor, helping you out in multiple ways on offense and defense. That's all you can ask for from a senior leader like him. 
Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Matt. I think the maturation process from the beginning of the season to now has been astronomical. You know, there were times and I think the Northwest, the not Northwestern, excuse me, the Newark, New Jersey trip kind of stands out. He wasn't playing his best ball at that point in the season. He got benched for a couple of games. You know, I just think that, you know, you have to take a look at yourself in the mirror and realize what you're going to provide to the team. Maybe it's not. 25 plus point performances but if you're going to stuff the stat sheet in other ways i think the nine rebounds is what sticks out to me because there's really nothing that that there's really no like pride in a rebound and well yes there is pride in a rebound it's not like a glorified thing like making a three-pointer gets the crowd going but pulling down a defensive rebound it's like okay a couple of claps here and there but it's like it's not a crowd pleaser and pulling down nine when you're not the biggest guy on the floor and when two other guys, Horkler and Watson, are typically your big rebound gra- uh, grabbers, I think that's big for Reeves, you know? Um, seven dimes, too. Like, not too shabby. Yeah. He's not a point guard. He's not a shooting guard. Uh, he can play the shooting guard. He's a wing guard. So he's sharing the basketball. Yeah, And Reeves, you're, I mean, is your leader in points, rebounds, and assists for the game. He tied the rebounds lead with Nate Watson, who that's a guy I think. I'm sorry. Actually, he was not the rebounds leader. Horkler had 10. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was. See, I'm looking. I'm looking right now in the Ken Palm box score, Joe. For anybody that's used it, they separate offensive and defensive rebounds. They don't have a total rebounds column. Uh, One of the few annoyances I have with Ken Palm. But yeah, when you're second in the team in rebounds, plus you lead in points and assists, you're always going to be happy with that performance. I definitely want to talk about Manaya a little bit more, too. This is a guy who really, I think, had a fantastic start to the game. And uh, he, they gave him the start over Alan Breed, which I thought was really interesting. He showed why in the opening minutes. Yeah. And honestly, Matt, I thought starting Manaya over Breed was a defensive decision. You know, I, I think. If I'm at Cooley, my starting point guard, you know, Bynum, who's primarily an offensive facilitator, not the biggest D guy, um, when he's out, I think you'd probably want to swap your starting five for a defensive player, which is why I thought Manaya was in. But offensively, he showed a skill set that we haven't seen this season. I mean, I know you and I and probably a couple other fans have watched his highlights from South Carolina. He definitely has the ability to flip the switch and and shoot the lights out and play offensively like with a little swagger but we hadn't seen it yet this season and it took until the 11th game really scoring 14 points perfect from the field perfect from beyond the arc and just making energy plays defensively on top of this absolutely you look at Manaya. we talked I mean I mentioned before Reeves over that 16 to 2 run in that same period Manaya scored six points he had six of the 14 that the Friars scored, or their first 14, and also had two steals. So he did do that defense that you're putting him in for. He had three steals, according to this box sheet I'm looking at. I'm saying just in the first six minutes oh, of this game. I see. Yes. Correction. Yeah. Yes. And then another thing that I thought was interesting, the first time Manaya comes out, it's not Alan Breed that comes in. It's Bryson Goodine. Yeah, Matt, I, I know we talked about this off the mic, but um, the the Breed and Goodine off the bench battle in the absence of Jared Bynum has kind of been an interesting development to watch. I, I think 
I think, you know, they're both known for their defense, but they definitely have some differentiating characteristics when you look at their style of play. I think Bryson Goodine plays much faster than Alan Breed when it comes to basically everything. Goodine looks like he's playing with his hair on fire. Breed looks like he he just got out of bed. Um, but it, it's a completely different style of play. Breed is more of a, like a bang around in the post, grab a rebound kind of guy, whereas Goodine is a get up in your face and play lockdown D kind of guy. So again, like different styles of play. Um, they split 17 apiece. Um, they both put up two points. Like they virtually had the same performance. The only difference is Goodine hit a shot from the floor. Breed went over. Yeah. Uh, do you think it tells us anything that Goodine was your first guard to come off the bench? He's coming in about five and a half minutes into the game, whereas Breed is your third guy off the bench. You don't see him until halfway through that first half, and he was starting right before this. Yeah, I think Breed's in a little bit of a slump offensively. Um, It was on full display in the second half, but really, you know, it's tough to get him going because he's not really a true point, but he's also not really a true shooting guard either. He's the definition of like a pure combo guard. The problem is... When you have a guy like Al Durham who plays so confidently at the one, you know, you kind of have to slot Breed in at the true two, which is where I think the dynamic between he and David Duke worked so perfectly last year because him and Duke are both pure combo guards. So they could interchange the one and the two with ease. When you're slotting Breed in at the two, you're asking him to score, which is something he's not necessarily known for. When you're slotting him in at the one... He doesn't really have the the exposure to handle the ball with confidence. Yeah, and that's I don't know. We, we've seen really good games from Breed before in his career, especially last year, stepping in when Bynum went down. But he's been up and down. Goodine has been up and down as well. I think they are both down in this one. Even Al Durham was a little bit down. He he wouldn't didn't have a bad game, but he wasn't his usual self. But I think that's a big reason why. The Friars only scored 68 points instead of the 90-something we saw Providence's next opponent, UConn, put up against Central Connecticut in their opener. Yeah, Matt, I also think you can attribute the, the 68 points to to scoring seven over the final 13 and a half in the second half. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, and this, this again, this shouldn't be a negative podcast because we won. We have 10 wins, one loss, you know. But I think if we're going to pick apart something, the, set, the, the, the offensive composure in the second half really just went down the crapper. Like uh, seven points in 13 and a half minutes against Central Connecticut State University. I get it. The, the, the lead was high enough and comfortable enough where you could have scored zero points and you still would have won. But I just think that's I think that's lousy. You know, I, I think the play calling wasn't there. You were calling up you, shot selection wasn't great. And by the way, Nate Watson didn't get a touch in the final 10 minutes. That's absurd. That's absolutely yeah. absurd. It's crazy. You look through the box score and Watson was one of two in the second half. He took his final shot with 1343 to go in the game. And part of this was foul trouble. He had three fouls in the second half. Uh, he got his third with 416 to go and Cooley pulled him from the game then. He never went back in. If you're playing a team other than Central Connecticut, he's probably not even coming out with three fouls with 4.16 to go. And if he comes out, he's not staying out long. So that's part of it. But also, 
he's got a couple of rebounds and that's it. He's not around the ball. And this isn't the first time that's happened where late in the game you, you have long stretches where they're just not going to him. Yeah. Uh, and listen, against Central Connecticut State, okay, fine. Slap on the wrist, you know, not terrible. Against any team in the conference, because conference play starts now, so we can start having this dialogue more organically. Against any team in the Big East, if you don't feed Watson over the final 13 minutes of the game, you're going to lose. Like, that's almost a guarantee. And and even if he's having a night where he's double teamed, like against Texas Tech and URI, you have to get the ball inside if you want the outside shots to open up. Drawing up Mm -hmm. four threes for Alan Breed in four minutes and having him miss all of them is not the way you win the game against a Big East Conference opponent. No, and part of that's those threes are open because of Watson, and sometimes you just don't hit them. And this is going to happen when Bynum's down, so other guards are getting more minutes and asked to take shots that they don't usually take. Like, there's a trickle-down effect here. And I'm also not going to extrapolate too much from 10 minutes of play against Central Connecticut because this team is one of the worst in college basketball. They are 2 of 8 this year. And like we've said, like, I don't know, I think we said in the pregame show that the Friars could play a bad game and still win by 15 points. Well, they won by 15 points. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think they played a bad game either. I just... You won and, and you move on. Yeah, I, I don't think this was a bad game. I'm just nitpicking right now. I think you played 27 solid minutes of basketball. And even on a night when Watson didn't get touches late in the second half, he still had eight points and nine rebounds. So he flirted with a double-double, even on a night when he his usage rate was down. So I think that's more telling about him and the type of player he is than about the, the play calling for him. But at the end of the day, a win is a win is a win is a win. The the team had a, had a bad second half and still won by 15. So we're going to walk away with this one with our heads up. I was definitely, you know, extremely happy that we're 10 and one. This is the best that the team has been since I've been a fan, Matt. I know we haven't seen anything like this in the non-conference in a while. Not since the Chris Dunn years. That's for sure. Right. So yeah, let's, uh, let's look forward a little bit. Friars get their first real big test of the season. Road game at UConn this Saturday. So obviously this is your biggest opener. This is also the first ranked game of the Friars have played all season. And this is a good UConn team. They came into the year ranked. They've stayed at about the same spot roughly all year long. And they have their best win of the year is a double overtime thriller week of Thanksgiving over Auburn. They have a loss to Michigan State. They lost last week at West Virginia. I think... The big storyline here is we don't really know the status of Adama Sanogo or Tyrese Martin. Both of those guys missed that one, and it showed against West Virginia. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much I buy into the Sanogo um, narrative because Hurley keeps saying he's day-to-day, he's day-to-day, he's day-to-day. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just milking it and waiting and he's going to suddenly be ready to go on Saturday and he's going to play like a full game. You know what I mean? Hurley said something was it a week ago that was like, oh, the recovery is coming along faster than we expect and he might be ready for Providence. So put it this way. There's no this isn't the NFL where you have to publish an injury report every day. Um, I fully expect that there UConn. I mean, Adama Sanogo could have only one leg right now and they're going to tell us that he might play all right up until game time so that we still have to prepare for him. 
and vice versa. They want there to be as much uncertainty as possible. It's why Jared Bynum has been listed as day-to-day ever since he got hurt and has missed what, three or four games now. So I don't know, but I mean, Sonogo, he's part of this sophomore uh, sophomore resurgence in the Big East right now. A lot of good young guys. 15.6 points per game, 6.3 rebounds per game. He's been a force for them. I, I mean, I'm certainly hoping he isn't playing. I mean, I hope he isn't playing, but I, I think your point's well taken, Matt. You have to prepare the, for UConn like they're at full strength. Um, and, and I think that that's a universal statement for any team in the Big East. Like w- with, when Villanova was down Colin Gillespie, you still have to prepare for them like they're at full strength. Just like if Providence is down Nate Watson, you prepare for them mm-hmm. like they're at full strength because the bench guys in this league can play. So I think I think Hurley's blowing smoke. Um, you, you know where, but I think Sunogo's I think Sunogo's <laughs> going to play, and I think this is a mind game that Dan Hurley's going to play because him and Ed Cooley have their rivalry. But at the end of the day, his demeanor is, is extremely transparent, and you can tell that Sunogo is probably healthy. That's my take on it. It could be wrong, and if it's wrong, I'll admit that it's wrong. But I think Sunogo's going to play. I think the other takeaway here, I mean, this is a team without book night, which that's what happened in the first game last year. And the Friars won that one. They were able to take advantage of that second game. Book night comes back. Friars didn't have anybody that could match him. RJ Cole has really filled the role well, 16 points per game this year. And the other thing that was so difficult for the Friars in that second matchup, the size of UConn. Sonogo, he's 6'9". Even if he doesn't go, they have Tyler Polly, who's 6'9". They have Isaiah Whaley, who's 6'9". They have Akuka Kook, who's 6'9". This is a big, big team. And they're athletic. They're long. This is one of the few teams that can actually play, and not necessarily with a Nate Watson, but with with the Manias, with the Reeveses, with the Horklers, with the Croswells that the Friars have down low. And they can really clog things up and make things difficult for the Friars and the paint. Yeah, Matt, that's a great point. Um, just to, to your earlier point on RJ Cole, I liked him a lot last year. And when book night was down um, and Hurley went four and four without him for any UConn fans, Hurley went four and four without James book night. That's is more about him than it does about book night. Um, when book night was down, RJ Cole stepped up. And then as soon as RJ uh, Book Knight was back. RJ Cole was back in the shadows. I think he's a great player. He reminds me of Miles Powell a little bit, um, but that's my side piece there. Anyways, size. I, I think we can. Con- I think we can compete better this year with this set of team with this set of players than we could last year. You look at Watson. He's six ten. You look at Horkler. He's six nine. Look at Manaya six eight. Croswell six eight. Reeves six six. How old tall is Durham? Six five. Like you could potentially start five guys that are over six foot five easily. Mm-hmm. So I think size, yes, UConn overall has the advantage, but I, I think we can compete. I, I think it's yeah, think we can compete. It's gonna be this is gonna be a game where things get clogged up. That's for sure. I think both teams are very big. Both teams are physical. Uh, just looking at some of the statistics here, both teams draw a lot of free throws. But this UConn defense, there's kind of two extremes here. They are top ten in field goal percentage against, block percentage, and two point percentage against. So basically, 
they are physical, they're long, they're going to beat you up down low. The counterpoint to that, they are 278th in free throw attempts <laughs> for opponents. So, and this is a Friars team that's very, very good. Top 10, actually, right now at getting to the free throw line. So, I think the key for Providence to win Saturday at UConn, hit your free throws. You got to hit them because you're going to have plenty of chances to get to the line. I think, Matt, you can even make that a little bit more of a broad stroke statement. I think composure is the Mm -hmm. big one for this. I'm not expecting this to be a blowout by any stretch of the imagination. Quite honestly, I don't even expect this to to I don't expect the final score for either side to be over 70 points. I think you're looking at a defensive war on Saturday. I, I don't think you should expect anything else. These are two extremely physical teams that are going to play old school style of Big East play. You can hear my dog mm-hmm. barking in the background. Sorry about that. But this is going to be... Frequent contributor to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Actually, it's summer. It's not Pip. Pip is being... Ah. Right now. But anyways, back to the Huskies, not my, my Labradoodle. But I think you're going to look at... You're going to see a traditional rock fight Big East conference game. I, I don't expect a lot of three-pointers to be taken or made. I think this is going to come down to your bigs in the paint. We're going to see a lot of flex offense plays from Ed Cooley, and defense is key. So, yes, I think free throws are extremely important, and I think the game will probably come down to a final score that is settled by free throws made. But I think that can fall under the overarching category of composure. If you keep your composure defensively, if you keep your composure at the free throw line, you'll win the game. I, yeah, and I, I don't think you could have said that any better, Joe, because you're going, I mean, biggest opener on the road in what's going to be a hostile, very loud environment. You're going to be on Fox, so you're national tele, nationally televised for this. Heck, if you, were, if you were watching football this past Sunday, I'm sure you saw the ads that popped up for Providence at UConn on Fox next Saturday. But that's, this game is getting promoted. And these guys are going to be on national television. You know they know that. You know they're going to be hyped up to play. And there's going to be a lot of testosterone, a lot of adrenaline. I think one of the other stats that stands out when you look at UConn, teams don't hit free throws against them. And I have to think part of that is how physical they are. They're getting you tired. They're getting you beat up in the post. You're going to get. You're going to hit free throws less. Also, they're fouling you. They're going to foul the heck out of Nate Watson and counting on him making only one or two shots at the line instead of just giving him the free shot. And they're definitely going to foul Nate Watson over letting the backdoor cut get in or anything like that. So you got to be, you got to be ready for those. You can't let the moment get too big for you. And I don't know. I mean, stamina is going to be huge here. If Jared Bynum were to be able to be back for this one, that would be awesome. I don't think we have any indication that he will be back. I think like Sonogo, we won't know until the game starts, but I think any kind of depth is going to be huge for Providence. I think what's important, too, with the Jared Bynum narrative is whether or not he starts or comes off the bench. Um, Because I think it it, to start the game, we're going to see Durham, Reeves, Mania, Horkler, Watson. That's a bigger lineup that's more defensive. I think if it comes down to it and we need um, Durham to be a little more versatile, Bynum will come off of the bench because realistically – if Bynum's not playing, you really don't want the ball in anyone else's hands except Durham. Maybe if you're in like crap time, like uh, right before the the under 16 timeout, like sure, Durham needs a blow. You, you put Breed in, he can handle the ball. But realistically, you don't want anyone handling the ball except Durham and Bynum. 
Um, so if Bynum does play, I expect him to come off the bench realistically. And to your point about stamina, Matt, I think too, what, what I think this goes underappreciated is when you're at the free throw line, there's no timer. Take a, take a few breaths. A lot of guys, Matt, you, you said, and I love the way you said this, you know, don't become overwhelmed by the moment. Like don't play, don't, don't do anything stupid. Like if you get to the free throw line and you just you were just banging around in the paint. Take a couple of breaths. Like you don't have to sh- you don't have to shoot it right away. Just like composure, composure, composure. That's living yeah. in the moment. Yeah, and I think I also think with Al Durham, another thing you can bring up here: the one area where the Friars do have a size advantage is at that point guard position, especially if they've got Durham there. R.J. Cole is a smaller guy. He's six one, one eighty five. Durham's going to have a size advantage on him. And if you assume that this is a UConn team that's going to clog the paint, what you can try to do, Al Durham's going to have the ability to take shots. And also, because Cole's smaller than him, you're able to play physically and draw some fouls. Durham has been a fantastic free throw shooter. You'd much rather get him to the line than Nate Watson. Yeah, great point, Matt. I think Durham and his role in this game is extremely undervalued with respect to size because – uh, even you and I just did it a couple minutes ago. We talked about all the size from the the three to the five. We didn't really talk about the one and the two. And I think that's where Durham, like you just said, is super vital to this game because he's bigger than RJ Cole, which means defensively he's going to have to have, he's going to have to have a forward on him if they really want to match him up. If not, it, it, it's, it's RJ Cole or another, you know, shooting guard type. But if mm-hmm. he's playing the one, realistically, you can see R.J. Cole guarding him. And if you have the smallest guy on the floor guarding you, I mean, one, you can get over him easily for a deep shot or, or two. Defensively, you can poke the ball away from him with your wingspan. Exactly. And that's heck. That's where a guy like Manaya is going to come in, too. I mean, that's. Again, the flip side of of this size for UConn is that you can absolutely go zone against them on defense and you can use that link to try to poke holes in them. They're not like the best perimeter shooting team in the world or anything. So I would not be surprised if you see a lot of zone from Providence. I think the only the only reason that it's going to concern you is that UConn's very, very good at offensive rebounding and it leaves you a little bit more vulnerable there. But I think you're going to see stretches of the zone when you're going to try to make them defeat you in the paint and hit you with mid-range shots, things like that. See if they can beat you that way. I also think, Matt, and and this just popped into my head as you said it, um, the game will be won on the glass as well. We talked Mm -hmm. about composure. We talked about the free throw line. We talked about, you know, lockdown defense. You need to out-rebound UConn if you want to win, period. Uh, I think that is grouped with the other two. But you need Horkler, you need Watson, you need Manaya, you need Croswell. You need those guys to bang around in the paint and, and sweep mm-hmm. anything they can off of the glass. Agreed. Absolutely. All right. I think it's prediction time, Joe. Who do you got and what's the score? Oh, um, I'm going to take the Friars. Um, okay. I don't think this is going to be a pretty game. I think it's going to be probably one of the ugliest basketball games we'll watch this season. But, uh, you know, we're 10-1, and one, and this is a good team. 
This is a team that's unselfish. They're playing for each other. And by the way, if you haven't taken a look yet, head over to our Twitter and read the FriarBasketball.com article that we retweeted. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. really, really well written and does a great job of setting the landscape of why this year's team is this year's team. And that's Mm -hmm. I'm going to drop it there so I don't give any spoilers. If you haven't read that yet, go take a look. But back to the prediction. I think the Friars are going to take it. I think this is going to be an ugly, low-scoring game. 63-59 Providence. I think Durham scores in double figures, and I think Watson flirts with a double-double. I like it. Yeah, and I think, yeah, you're spot on. The Friars have won three in a row in Hartford against UConn. They actually have a winning record against the Huskies there. I think they continue that. I'm going to give Providence a win here, and I like the low-scoring prediction you have. UConn so far this season, they've only lost two games to Michigan State, 64-60, and at West Virginia, 56-53. In all of their other games, they've scored at least 70 points. So those low-scoring battles, that's where teams have gotten the Huskies. I think you're going to see that again. I'm going to take the Friars like 55-53. I think it's going to be close. Old school Big East action, probably coming down to the wire. A game you won't, it'll be ugly, but very entertaining. (laughs) Terrible for my blood pressure. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's what we love about the Big East, right? Here's the thing. Who needs Disney World or amusement parks or roller coasters when you can just watch Big East basketball? It does the same thing for your heart. Fun fact for this one, Matt, I'll, I will be watching at my family Christmas party. So from from 5 p.m. till about 730, I'm going to be so mentally checked out. And you know damn well that if this game is not going the Friars way, that I will not be in a good mood. So we'll see what hap- we'll see what happens with that one. Lord help the Howie family if the Friars don't win this one. Yeah, you can say that. Again. Oh, my goodness. All right, well, that's going to put a wrap on this one. Friars 10-1 and playing at UConn, 5 p.m. this Saturday on Fox. You won't want to miss it. Make sure you're following us on Twitter and subscribe to us wherever you are listening to this so you don't miss us with our Friar updates. You will be hearing from us after the game. So make sure you're there so you can get our reactions. Thank you for listening. Go Friars. Go Friars.